This morning's scripture reading comes from Mark chapter 1, verses 16 through 20. As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. When he had gone a little farther, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat, preparing their nets. Without delay, he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. This is the word of the Lord for us. Oh boy, what a great day today. Beautiful weather outside. We've got a pretty full house in here. There's just nowhere I would rather be than here. How about you? Glad to be here this morning. What a great opportunity we have to worship the Lord and to fellowship with one another, to study his word. Uh, so I'm excited for all that God has in store for us today. I want to begin the sermon with a question. And it's a rhetorical question, so you're not supposed to shout out the answer. The, the question is, what is your calling? What is your calling? You know, oftentimes we associate the calling with the ministry. You know, we, we talk about those of us that are in full-time vocational, maybe pastoral ministry as that's the calling. But wouldn't it be true to say that we've all been called? That each and every one of us has a calling. Now, for 12 men in the first century, it was a call to follow Jesus. We heard that in the scripture reading this morning from Mark chapter 1. And then we see that what unfolds over the next years, really three years, is these men follow Jesus and they watch him do ministry and they hear his teaching and they see him do miracles and then he sends them out to also do ministry. So we actually see, we'll, we'll get there eventually, but it's in Mark chapter 3 where uh, it says, he, uh, verse 14, it says, He appointed twelve, designating them apostles, that they might be with him, and that he might send them out. That was their calling. And so, as we continue this morning with our study in the book of Mark, we're calling this series Remarkable, we're going to be challenged with the idea that you and I might have the same calling, and that is a calling to follow Jesus, that we might be with him, and that he would then send us out on mission for him. So my name is John. I'm thrilled that you're with us today. And as always, I pray that through our time together, your heart grows stronger, that your faith would grow deeper. So we talked last Sunday when we kicked off this sermon series. We were in Mark chapter 1. We looked at really just the first eight verses, and it was really uh, on the ministry of John the Baptist, who was the cousin of Jesus. And so this week, we're going to move more into Jesus proper. Now, last week, I'll remind us, we saw Jesus be baptized by John in the River Jordan. And now Jesus is ready for ministry. After his baptism, he went into the wilderness for 40 days. He was tempted by Satan. It was a time of preparation, a time of fasting. It was really a time of spiritual battle for our Lord Jesus, where he faced temptations and, and he stood strong and he stood on the word of God. He combated the enemy with the truth of scripture. And it's here that Jesus begins to preach. We're going to see our Lord Jesus in his first sermon. So we're in Mark chapter 1, starting in verse 15. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent. 
and believe the good news. You go, repent, I've heard that word. Yeah, we talked about it last Sunday because that was the message that John the Baptist had for people. It was repent. It was, you, you've lived away from God, you've, you've sinned against God, and you've got to make a turn. But here it is again. <laughs> you go, well, surely you're not going to preach repentance two Sundays in a row. Maybe I am. Here it is again. The words of John the Baptist, but now the words of our Lord Jesus. We are invited in. Listen, this is the, this is the good news. That we are invited into a life with Christ. That he has something better to offer than anything else. And, and what that requires in order for us to embrace that good news and live the life with Jesus, a full and abundant life, we turn from what the world offers. We turn from our old path. We turn from our old ways. That's what repentance means. It means turning. We turn from those things and we follow Jesus. And then we allow him to do something new in us. This is what happens to these first disciples. So I'm excited for our study this morning. We're going to focus on these verses in Mark chapter 1, but we're actually going to jump ahead to a few other passages in Mark and see what happens in the life of these 12 men. But it begins here with some common fishermen. So we're in Mark chapter 1, verse 16. Steph read this for us just a moment ago. Jesus is walking by the Sea of Galilee. He sees Simon and his brother Andrew, and they were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. And here's what Jesus says. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. He says, you're spending your life catching fish? That's your life? Come with me, and soon you're going to be fishing for souls. Come with me, and you're going to see that it's not about what the world says we should do. It's about what God says we should do. So when you... Agree to follow Jesus when you sign up, when you leave the nets behind like these men did. You know, they, they had some employees that were there waiting for instruction and direction, the hired men that were left behind in the boat. Hey, boss, what do you want me to do? <laughs> they walked away because they chose to follow Jesus. When you do that, you become a part of something that is remarkable. You become a part of God's remarkable kingdom. It's cool because the exact same thing happens to another set of brothers in verse 19, James and John, same thing happens to these men that Jesus called. But he doesn't just call fishermen. We've just seen him call four fishermen, two sets of brothers. But um, in the next chapter, in Mark chapter 2, he calls a tax collector, a man by the name of Levi. So turn over in your Bibles to Mark chapter 2, starting in verse 14. It says this of Jesus, as he walked along, he saw Levi, son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax collector's booth. And then what do we hear from Jesus again? It's this call. He says, follow me, Jesus said. And Levi got up and followed him. Let, let's keep reading there a couple verses because something interesting happens here. Verse 15. While Jesus was having dinner at Levi's house, so he calls him, and then they're dining together. They're breaking bread. They're now in relationship. Levi is a follower of Jesus. While, while they were having dinner at Levi's house, many tax collectors and sinners were eating with him and his disciples, for there were many who followed him. When the teachers of the law who, heard, who were Pharisees saw him eating with the sinners and tax collectors, they asked his disciples, 
Why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said to them, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. If you know anything about tax collectors in that time period, they were despised. They were hated. They were vilified. They they were Jews who had sold out to the Roman Empire. They were typically, they, they were very wealthy. Why? Because they were cheating their own people. They were charging an overabundance of taxes. Now, as long as they gave to the empire what they required, they could keep for themselves whatever, whatever they could, whatever they wanted. And so they were, they were cheating people. They were overcharging on the taxes. They, they'd grown wealthy, but they were hated. It, it came at a great cost, by the way. You, you know, sometimes the, the, the world tempts us and lures us in. They go, oh, man, I can make more money if I do this. It's dishonest. Or I can make more money and do that, but I'm going to lose all my friends. And that, that's really what happened with the, the tax collectors who were Jewish people. So they'd, they'd lost their integrity. They'd lost their faith. They'd lost their faith. So they were hated. They were sinners. At least they had each other. You can tell when, when Jesus goes to the, the meal at Levi's house, it's like it was just filled with all these down and outs and tax collectors and sinners. So they at least hung out with each other. Misery loves company. And the religious leaders took great exception to this. Jesus is supposed to be a rabbi, a, a, a leader, a teacher, a holy man. Why, oh why, is he hanging out with these kind of people? So this man, Levi, he, he's also known as Matthew, by the way. <laughs> he, he's also the guy who wrote the Gospel of Matthew, by the way. He's a tax collector. He's a sinner. And Jesus chooses him. Think about that. Jesus didn't go for the ones who had it all together, who had it all figured out, who everyone respected and esteemed. He looked at the guy who everyone hated and said, hmm, yeah, I want you. I want, I want you to be one of the 12 men that we do this whole thing with. We're going to build this ministry. We're going to build God's kingdom on earth. And this just doesn't make sense to these religious leaders, the Pharisees. The teachers of the law. This, this makes zero sense to them. Why does he even eat with such people? And then he tells them. Oh, it's because I didn't come to call the righteous. You know, th- those of you who think that you're holy and pious and better than other people. Yeah, I didn't come for you. No, I came for the sinners. I came for the ones who are going to cry out desperately. Oh, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Those are the ones that I came for, Jesus said. Because it's the, it's the healthy don't need a doctor. Right? He puts, he puts in a very simple, easy to understand terms. It's the sick people who need the doctor. But, but for us, how powerful is this? It's, it's the lowly, it's the despised, it's the wicked, it's, it's for sinners like me and you that Jesus came. It's people like us that Jesus then calls. He calls us into an existence with him, a life with him. And I'm not saying he keeps us that way. You know, this is, as we think about Jesus calling Levi, you know, he, he's not calling him like, hey, you, you're, you're a cheater and a liar and you steal from people. You know, you, you'll, you'll be great for me. No. Hey, Levi, come and follow me. You're going to become Matthew. You're going to become the first century church leader 
You're going to be writer of the gospel account of the, the, the gospel according to Matthew. You're going to be martyr for the name of Christ. You're going to be great in my kingdom. Not the way you are now because you're going to be changed when you follow me. When you follow Jesus, you're changed. We, we can't put it more simply than that. When you follow Jesus, you're changed. 2 Corinthians 5.17 you probably have a mug with this on it or, or a decal in your home. If anyone is in Christ. Anyone. I, I didn't just say the people who were like strung out on drugs that reached the end of their rope and then called out to Jesus. I, I didn't say the people that have problems and families that are dysfunctional. If anyone is in Christ. I was raised in church. I heard the gospel at a very early age. Age four years old, I said, I'm going to pray to Jesus. I've, I've walked with him a long time. I've still strayed from him at times. I'm still a sinner. I still have a remarkable story of being saved by the grace of God. That my destiny was an eternity separated from God in hell. But he rescued me. Because it is if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has gone. The new has come. That's why we see over and over, by the way, in scripture, the Lord changing people's names. Have you ever wondered about that? And it gets a little confusing. Like, uh, it was Abram, now it's Abraham. Jacob wrestles with God and becomes Israel, even with some of the disciples there. So in uh, Mark chapter 3, let's turn there. Mark chapter 3, uh, starting in verse uh, 14, it's where he, it says, He appointed twelve that they might be with him, and that he might send them out to preach, and have authority to drive out demons. And it tells us who they are. These are the twelve he appointed. Simon, to whom he gave the name Peter. James son of Zebedee, his brother John. To, to them he gave the name Boanerges, which means sons of thunder. And then it lists the others. Andrew, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, son of Alphaeus, Thaddeus, Simon the Zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. But, but we see even there among these, these 12 men, that he's, he's changing some of their names. Simon becomes Peter. He's the rock upon which God's kingdom is, is going to be built. God, God, he's going he's gonna to build upon the rock, and he's going to use Peter in a significant way. James and John are now the sons of thunder. You're going, if, if God renames me, I hope it's something really cool like that. <laughs> Don't give me something weak. Give me something like that. Like, they're now the sons of thunder. These guys are like, oh, gee, it, this is instantly better following Jesus because we are now cool. <laughs> but this is why God, we, we see God changing people's names. It's because when you follow Jesus, you're changed. Anyone. We're changed because we're made new. We're a new creation in Christ. In fact, the scripture tells us that at the end of the age, we're all going to be given a new name. It's actually prophesied about in Isaiah 62. It says, you will be called by a new name that the mouth of the Lord will bestow. And so what we see in these 12 men who Jesus called to follow him, when Jesus says, follow me. I've done a little bit of a deep dive in terms of the, the word study and the structure and all of that. But suffice it to say that when he says, follow me, it is a command. 
This is, this is spoken from our Lord to these men, and it's like it's an imperative. So it's a, it's a direct order. We would understand it to be, I'm giving you a command. Now, this might you know, seem strange to us. You don't, you don't just bark out orders and commands to strangers in public. But that is what was happening here. Jesus is, is giving a command. He has the authority to call them with an imperative. This is a direct order. I'm choosing you. Come and follow me now, immediately. Jesus, of course, had been filled with the Holy Spirit. We saw that at his baptism just last week, right? And, and so he knew who he wanted to help him spread the good news. He hand-selected these 12 men. And they all said yes. They all followed him. And so often I just think of us when God gives a clear command and a directive. And it just seems like we, we like to barter with God, don't we? We, we, we like to, to bargain with God. And, and rather than just simply walk in obedience, you know, leave behind the nets, leave behind the hired men, walk away from the tax collector booth. We go, well, let me just take care of this first. Or what about this, God? Or what if, could, if, if I'll do that for you, will you do this for me? It's like the son who had just gotten his driver's license. His dad was a pastor. And the son, is, he goes to the dad. He wants to discuss use of the car, right? He wants to use the car, and he's asking his dad how that might be possible. And so the dad says, well, here's what I want you to do. I want you to get your grades up. I want you to study your Bible every day, and I want you to get a haircut. When you've done those things, come back, and we'll talk about you using the car. So... A month goes by, the boy comes back. He says he wants to use the car. Well, okay, let's consider what you've done. He says, well, I, you know, son, I've been real proud of you, that your grades actually have improved over the course of the last month. And it seems like I've, I've seen you in the Word every single day, but you haven't cut your hair yet. Well, you know, Dad, the boy says, I've been studying the Bible, and, and I see in there that there were guys with long hair. You know, Samson had long hair. John the Baptist never cut his hair. He says, he says Jesus had long hair. The dad says, I can't, I can't argue with that. You're right. You know what else they did? They walked everywhere they went. <laughs> <laughs> but these disciples, I mean, they just followed Jesus. They heard the command. They heard the direction. And they said, okay, I'm in. I'm going to walk in obedience. I, I do want to point out, too, that just... God's word is amazing and God's kingdom is remarkable. And just the fact that Jesus chose 12 men. It's so symbolic of the, in the Old Testament, the people of God were 12 tribes of Israel. Like that was the complete picture of the people of God in the Old Testament were the 12 tribes. And so it's cool that, that he chose 12 men to be his disciples. It's really, um, it speaks to that original nation of Israel and how the Messiah, the, now, uh, the king that has come in Jesus, has constructed these 12 parts as he's building the next phase of God's kingdom. And so, to these first four, anyway, we have this very clear and direct teaching on going out to fish for people. These were fishermen. This, is, this was their life. They had, they had uh, desire each and every day to go out and catch fish. And so he says he's going to then send them out to fish for people. So it's kind of easy for them to imagine because that's their world. Actually, furthermore, they probably were familiar, if they knew their scriptures, 
They were probably familiar with the fishing analogy from Habakkuk. And maybe you're not familiar with that. But in Habakkuk chapter 1, verse 14, it says this. You have made people like the fish in the sea. Like the sea creatures that have no ruler. And then here's what it says in verse 15. It says, the wicked foe pulls all of them up with hooks. He catches them in his net. He gathers them in his dragnet. And he rejoices and he's glad. So people are like fish, the scriptures tell us. And our enemy is busy catching people. And ensnaring people. And Jesus calls these 12 men and says, it's time to get in the game. I'm looking for faithful men and faithful women who are going to follow me. He wants us to follow him and be a part of seeking the lost. Healing the broken, feeding the hungry, releasing the prisoners, rebuilding the nations. He wants us to become fishers of men, as many of us learned this verse. And so this morning, as we talk about the the calling of these disciples, I hope that you will hear very clearly, each and every one of us, men and women, young and old, that Jesus is calling you to. That Jesus is calling you to be with him, and then he's calling you to send you out on mission for him, just as he did with these men. The Lord is calling us. But how will we respond? So we saw a few minutes ago this this, uh, comical video, a fishing trip, where the participants are not fishing. Well, how strange is that? That's silly. It's ironic. It's nonsensical. And yet, how much more silly are followers of Jesus who don't share the good news. Followers of Jesus who, who allow that sea full of fish... Habakkuk's analogy, to just be ensnared by the devil, hooked by the trappings of the world, instead of pursuing them for the kingdom of God. It's said that Mark Twain liked to go fishing. Only there was a problem. He hated to catch fish. <laughs> he, 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 uh, he went fishing to relax. He liked to just rest and relax. And and he says that catching fish ruined his relaxation, right? He has to take the fish off the hook. It's gooey and sliming. Then he's got, he's got to fit another worm on the hook, like all of that. And, And when he wanted to relax by doing nothing, then people thought he was lazy. I think we can probably appreciate that. We don't want people to think we're lazy, but, but if he went fishing and caught fish, then it was not a good experience. And so of course he came up with the solution. He got the fishing tackle, he got the gear, he went out to the pond, he sat down, just didn't put a hook on. And then no one would bother him. Oh, they'd see there he's he's fishing, and he could relax without fear of catching anything. Boy, I fear that that's a picture of the church. Boy, I fear that we might have that image of the fishermen. But do we have a hook in the water? And have we properly baited it? Are we ready to reel in a big one? See, this this is what Jesus is calling his followers to do. It's not just come and follow me and be comfortable. It's come and be with me and then guess what? I'm going to send you out. Christian believers do the same thing Mark Twain did. They've got the fishing pole, but there's no hook. I don't think that's what Jesus had in mind. 
when he said, come and follow me. Again, hear this, uh, hear this knowing the original Greek was a directive, an imperative, a command. Come and follow me and I will send you out to fish for people. It's cool that they leave a good example for us, isn't it? That that they just jumped on this opportunity to follow the remarkable Son of God. You know, they they could have bartered with him. They they could have balked at the opportunity. The the easy way out would have been to say, Hey, you know what, Jesus, thanks for the invitation. But we're good here, or we're busy here. We're catching fish. We know know this world, and so we're not going to jump into some unknown We get comfortable, don't we? We say, surely God wouldn't ask me to do that. That's out of my comfort zone. But Christ, his command really demanded an immediate response. And so I want us to hear it with the same urgency today. That, that this is not a, a feel-good, mull-it-over kind of sermon and message. But, but it's, will you respond today to the call of Jesus to be with him and then to be sent out by him? That's the right response. Leave, leave behind everything else and follow Jesus. This is our calling. In fact, I want to share a verse from Galatians 5 and verse 13. It says, you, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. Called to be free. Free from the trappings of the world. Free from any constraints that ourselves or others have put on us. Free to follow Jesus where he leads. Empowered by his spirit to do the remarkable. But the the follower of Jesus has to be willing to move. And sometimes that means literally you move. (laughs) That means your family buys a house somewhere else and relocates. Sometimes it means staying where God has placed you. (laughs) It means digging in your heels and saying, I know this is where God wants me to be. And so even though this is not fun and this is not easy, I'm going to do that which he has called me to do. Oh, that we would have ears to hear what the Lord is calling us to do. And again, when you follow Jesus, you change. Our, Our character changes when we follow Jesus. The things that are important to us change when we follow Jesus. I just pray that I'm not the same person I was one year ago. I just pray that God has done a work in me. If anyone, including pastors, is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. And I pray that God would do that in our lives changing us, molding us to become even more like Jesus. And then the beautiful part, of course, is then when Jesus sends his disciples out on mission. <laughs> I imagine they were terrified. I imagine they were like, whoa, 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 we're not ready, we're not ready. But he says, it's time for you to go. Turn to Mark chapter 6. Let's check this out. So the disciples had been with Jesus for about a year and a half. Following him, listening to him, asking questions of him, watching his miracles. And then he says, it's time for you to go. Mark Mark chapter 6, starting in verse 7. 
Calling the twelve to him, he began to send them out two by two. And he gave them authority over impure spirits. And these were his instructions. Take nothing for the journey except a staff. He says, no bread, no bag, no money in your belts. Wear sandals, but not an extra shirt. Whenever you enter a house, stay there until you leave that town. And if any place will not welcome you or listen to you, leave that place. Shake the dust off your feet as a testimony against them. And it says, they went out and preached that people should, what? Say it a little louder. Oh man, John the Baptist had this. (laughs) Jesus had this, and now... The disciples are preaching what? Repentance. That you leave what is, what is behind. That you turn from your wicked ways. And you follow Jesus. <clears throat> the message of repentance. Probably should have seen that one coming. <laughs> These disciples have been called. They've spent time with Jesus. And now they go out with the same message. It's not just for the 12 of us. It's for anyone who will hear. It's for anyone who will pick up their cross and follow Jesus. But isn't it interesting, his specific instructions here, isn't it interesting when they come to a place, when they, when they share the gospel with a people who will not listen to the message, they're just to leave. Right? That's where we get the phrase. You, you, you've heard it in pop Culture usage, you know, shake the dust off your feet. It's from Jesus. He's the one that came up with this. Isn't that interesting? When they don't listen to your message, when they don't repent, he says, just walk away. Shake the dust off your feet and get on moving. What's funny is there's an instance where Jesus is traveling and there's a village that refuses to welcome him. And we've got James and John, sons of thunder, and they want to call down fire from heaven to destroy this village. They're like, hey, we're the sons of thunder. They're going to feel our wrath. Jesus rebukes them. He goes, nah, we shared the message. We tried, we tried to bring the gospel. They said, no, we're going to go. There's a really important lesson there, isn't there? We get really uptight and really scared and really nervous about evangelism. We go, oh, like the people in this fishing video. Isn't that for someone else? I got a thousand excuses why not to. I'm scared. Jesus gives so, so specific of instructions here. Share with them the good news. Call them to repentance. If they say, get out of here. If they say, we don't want anything to do with that. Walk away. Go find someone else and share it with them. He says it's simple. But again, if we look closely, and, and we've really just talked about five of the disciples calling, there are 12, but we got the, the four fishermen and then the tax collector. They were busy when Jesus called them. They could have come up with a thousand excuses why not to follow Jesus or why not to follow him immediately. Hey, I'm, ta- I'm collecting taxes here. Hey, we're hauling in a big load of fish here. We're busy. We've got plans. This is an interruption, Jesus. That's how people respond today. When they hear the call to follow Jesus, when they hear the good news, when they hear the idea of of laying down your life and surrendering for the Lord, they're like, I got plans. I'm busy. I don't know if I have time for that. I, I don't think I have time for church. 
I don't think I have time for a community of faith, a small group. I don't, I don't have time to serve on that ministry team. So we leave and we go to someone else. And you say, ooh, that's cold. No, that's not easily done. But that's the way of Jesus. He has another teaching where he says, don't put the pearls before the swine. Is our desire that all people would hear the good news and respond? Yes, it is. Should we be diligent and wise in how we win our neighbors and our friends and our co-workers and our peers, the fellow, our fellow students for Jesus? Yes, we should. And we should persist. But there are times where we need to use the wisdom of Jesus to say, we've presented it and they said no and they refused. And so we're going to move on. So the disciples were busy. They could have come up with a thousand excuses, but they didn't. When they heard the call of Jesus, they left everything behind and they followed him. And Jesus, let's take note of this. Jesus didn't lay out for them what's going to happen next week and next month and next year and 10 years from now. Isn't that interesting that he goes, hey, you follow me. And so often we get hung up on the future and what is, how is this going to turn out? Those are the questions that I tend to ask God when he calls me. Well, wait a minute, Lord, like, just a few questions here. <laughs> How long is this going to take? And, and what's, this gonna, what's the impact going to be on me long term? They didn't know. They were called to step out in faith and follow. And he called them in their every or, everyday ordinary lives. They're just going about their everyday work. And Jesus can do the same thing in our lives, interrupting the mundane with something majestic. These guys were catching fish. You know, for us it might be working in our place of employment or in our home or doing something in the everyday. And this is for those who are retired, those who are working, those who are homemakers in the business sector, students. See, Jesus called the disciples. Come follow me. And I want to issue the same call to each and every one of us today. He called them so that they would be with him and that then he would send them out on mission for him. He says, I'm going to send you out to fish for people. They didn't know what was to come. Did, did Simon know that he would end up becoming Peter? That he would end up in coming against the Roman Empire and crucified upside down for Jesus? No, probably not. Did John know he was going to be exiled on the island of Patmos? Did they suspect that, that their calling and their story would be the subject of a sermon in the Midwest in 2021? <laughs> no. They didn't know, but they stepped out in faith. Had they known that, would it have overwhelmed them? Would it have kept them from following? We don't know. For many people, that's what keeps them from following Jesus. But you see, the Lord reveals to us his path and his plan step by step. He's faithful in each and every day. He's faithful in each and every season. And he's calling us. Would we take that step of faith? Would we walk with him and go the places that he tells us to go? doesn't always tell us where he's going to lead us, what's going to happen in the future. doesn't give us all those detailed career plans. 
He just follows us. He just calls us to follow. And so let's uh, end the same place we began with a question. What's your calling? What's the Lord spoken into your life and heart? And are you willing to step out in faith to pursue that? And could it be that it's the same calling as the 12 disciples, and that is to be with Jesus and to then be sent out on mission for him? Now we encourage you to do that today, now. Step out in faith. The life with Jesus, the life on mission for him, is rich and full and abundant and rewarding. And you know what? It's forever. So may we respond to this call of Christ with faith, with action, empowered by his Holy Spirit, that we would join him, the remarkable son of God, in his mission to redeem the world. Let's pray together. Lord, we're so thankful for these true stories of men who are called to follow you who then walked in obedience to be with you and to be sent out by you. And Lord, we confess our own fears. We confess our own shortcomings. We confess to being like the person sitting by the pond who doesn't have a hook on the pole. And so today we choose God by faith to follow you. So Lord, what a joy it is to be in your presence this morning. Do something in us, God, that transforms us to become even more like Jesus, that instills in us the mind of Christ, that we would have a passion for the lost, the ones that are being ensnared by the enemy. Lord, use us. Send us by your spirit for your glory. We ask it in Jesus' name.